Welcome to the Zen Stoic Path. In this episode, we're actually going to be doing another recap from the Zen Stoic Podcast. And in this one, we're going to be sharing one of our favorite, favorite interviews from the previous podcast that Nico and I did. We had the great pleasure and honor of interviewing Brennan Lemon, stand-up comedian. Now, if you've listened to this podcast, he was actually the first interview on the Zen Stoic Path. The dude is hilarious, but is also a wealth of knowledge that is able to somehow easily reference all these aspects of history and connect the dots in a really unique way. Really, really enjoyable conversation. A lot of stoic wisdom that I took away from that conversation and stuff that I still apply in my own life today. And I've interviewed him a few times on the previous podcast and I wanted to bring back this episode because I remember this interview being probably the funniest interview that I've ever done. I mean, Nico and I were laughing like half the time. It was a great interview that mixed comedy and wisdom all into one. Brennan is a great guest to have on this podcast. I really do enjoy talking to him. A lot of wisdom to share while also giving it the lightheartedness of a comedic view on the world. And we go through things like gratitude, turning difficulty into opportunity, the way that we can use voluntary discomfort to build more endurance within ourselves so that we can be happier, so that we are able to endure more difficult times without stressing over them and acting like they're at the end of the world. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome to the Zen Stoic Podcast, where we take philosophies of Zen and Stoicism that have been helping people for thousands of years, and we bring them into modern discussions to create mental wellness and vitality. Welcome back, everybody, to the Zen Stoic Podcast. It is Victor and Nico in the house, and today we have a special guest. We have Brandon Lemon, who is a stand-up comment at stand-up comic and a big proponent of stoicism he's been in the comedy game for 20 years and we are honored to have him here in the zen stoic podcast what's up (laughs) i love it i love it what's up i'm happy to be here yes we're happy to have you man so just for the audience who who doesn't know you yet can you tell them a little bit about your journey and you know kind of what it is that you do yeah so i'm um so i'm a comedian i've been i've been a comedian for about 20 years i'm uh i started when i was about 14 years old wow (laughs) no way yeah yeah i was doing a lot of improv this is back when whose line is it anyway was like one of the most popular shows on television and uh i had a i had two uncles who were stand-up comedians and so I lucked out. I grew up in Metro Detroit, and for a long time, about 30 years, one of the most popular comedy clubs in Detroit was Joey's Comedy Club, and that was run by my uncle, a guy named Joe Belaska. And he uh, now lives out in California, does a lot of shows in Las Vegas and stuff, but he ran this club. And I had another uncle who was a stand-up comedian at the other most popular club no. in Detroit, uh, and that's uh, the Comedy Castle. And Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. And it's still the most popular comedy comedy club in Detroit. It's amazing. Yes. So I kind of got grandfathered into it. <laughs> <laughs> I like I was doing improv at a high school team and both of my uncles saw me and they were like, You gotta do stand up and they talked me into doing it. So that's, that's awesome. Man. I've been doing it ever since. Yeah, especially to get in at such a young age, uh, at fourteen year old. 14 years old. I know a lot of us at that age were definitely insecure, yeah. self-conscious, and stand-up and comedy. And still are. Yeah. <laughs> and real, yes. real talk. Yes, real talk. absolutely. Real talk. <laughs> and, and definitely to be able to do it at that age uh, takes some balls. So I, I acknowledge you for that, sir. Yeah, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. I feel I don't know. I hear that all. I hear that a lot. Actually, it's funny. I hear people are like, "Oh man, you do comedy, like, oh, dude." 
the balls on you, bro. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. In a lot of ways, it's easier to be that way in front of an audience of strangers. Like, like people are like, oh, that's difficult. I don't know how you get up and talk. You're like, well, I don't know. And in a lot of ways, it's harder to be vulnerable in front of a, like interpersonally in front yes. of somebody. You know what I mean? When you're talking to a big group of people you don't know, sometimes it's even easier to to hide in that kind of way. So for sure, I, I don't know. It could could be ballsy, could not be. But it, I mean, it's true. I I have to say, like. If I go do karaoke, like I have zero resistance when it comes to that. Oh, yeah. I'll get up and sing sing my ass off. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It doesn't matter. Jerry yeah. Seinfeld has a joke where he goes, um, he's up on stage and he goes, you know, I can um I can talk to uh to everyone, but I can't talk to anyone. Because <laughs> mm. it's exactly the same kind of thing. Interesting. Interesting. So I know, you know, through your your comedy career, you've obviously had a lot of experience, two decades. And in the midst of all that, you also study philosophy and more importantly for this podcast, specifically stoicism. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So like many other comedians, I can be rather anxious. Mm. <laughs> yes. I can be a little neurotic. Um, and my degrees in philosophy for sure. I, um, I, I went to school, um, you know, went to just went to university, studied philosophy, uh, studied a whole bunch of different, just different, uh, areas of philosophy, you know, philosophy of language, existentialism. Um, but I never had a formal class on stoicism. Mm. And I, I became really interested in the peripatetic school of philosophy, which is one of the three ancient schools of philosophy, the other two being stoicism and then Epicureanism. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and as I was reading more about peripatetic philosophy, I became more and more, I gravitated more and more to stoicism, um, mostly because I felt like wow, these are really answers to actual like life questions that I yes. have. Like a lot of philosophy, especially at the university level, and probably people listening to this can understand it, is like really academic. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it's very like, I don't know if it's very helpful. I think the people who teach it don't know if it's helpful. No, 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 <laughs> or do they even yeah. use it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or even worse, they know it's not helpful. Yeah, and then they still give it, right? And they're like, dude, I'm just here for the tenure. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Where's that paycheck? That yeah, so no, it's so true. And so I really got interested in stoicism because it answered a lot of the questions that I had. And... Uh, I really came to it through originally through Marcus Aurelius mm. and, uh, you know, through meditations. I'm sure many people on this uh, in your listenership probably have read that. Yes. And then uh, moved toward um, Epictetus. Yes. I read the Enchiridion and just the opening of the Enchiridion, just the first few tenets right at the beginning. I was like, this puts this so clearly to me. Yep. Yes. And it lined up with, I mean, like something that you and I have in common, Victor, is we both have done a martial arts. Mm -hmm. um, my background, I did MMA. I used to fight amateur MMA in Detroit when I was in college because I'm a crazy person. <laughs> That's awesome. I had, like, <laughs> you know, I had no, I get props for this all the time. And I was like, it was probably the dumbest thing I've ever done. I had no health insurance at the time. <laughs> the You're really gambling. <laughs> the hardest part of the fight that I was in was I won in 26 seconds in the first round. Not nice. to toot my own horn, but I like, I, I, I can throw a lot of head kicks really quickly. And uh, so the other guy uh, just, he, he tapped out. Um, and you can see the fight online. It's Brendan, the bulldog lemon first fight. It'll come right up. I'm the guy in red hair. You can see it. Nice. I, need um, to watch hair, I, I am. Yeah. I am so watching. That. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be part of my prelims for UFC tonight on yeah. the day of this recording. <laughs> Undefeated. Yeah. One fight, one win. Retired at the That's top of need. my game. <laughs> so, uh, but I, before that was in wrestling and, um, I noticed doing all the comedy, doing all the combatives that there was a lot of. Being in front of an audience, being in a fight, 
it's not an accident that Zen Buddhism is a martial philosophy. Mm -hmm. That you know there are plenty of of um, of, of warrior monks who you know who were very Zen, and the, and and the same is true in the Roman Empire that there were many many soldiers and generals just like Marcus Aurelius who were Stoics. Yes. And there's something about that philosophy that lets people who are in challenging and difficult situations find a kind of peace mm. and find a kind of pathway. And so my, uh, my, I guess, you know, as soon as I read it, I kind of took on this mantle of like, oh, I totally get this. When you're in front of an audience, you can't control what they're gonna do. No. You can't control what the other fighter mm -hmm. is gonna do in a fight. You know, Mike Tyson famously says, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. Yeah, and he recently yes. punched somebody else in the face. <laughs> to prove that philosophy. Yeah. So like, did you have a plan? Yeah. Now you don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, that's basically where I think I, I found a lot of peace in that, which is like, I mean, do I, I've been doing stand-up comedy for 20 years. You know what I mean? Do I bomb sometimes? Hell yeah, mm. I bomb sometimes. Yes. Do I get up on stage with jokes that work a lot and yeah. then end up not? Yeah, totally. I mean, I would encourage everybody, if you're dealing with this kind of stuff in your regular life, to go check out Dave Chappelle bombing for like 20 minutes, I think, on stage in Philadelphia, I want to mm -hmm. say. 20 minutes, Dave Chappelle, the funniest comedian in the world right wow. now. You could say. Sold a Netflix special for like $62 million or something. Yep. I forget how much money he made on that. But dude bombed for 20 minutes, and that was only a few wow. years ago. Dang. So, so something it can pretty happen recent. To you any day. Yeah. Yes. That's interesting because uh, one thing that we talk about a lot, uh, especially when it comes to Zen Stoicism, and I know I've talked to Nico about this, is at least the mentality that I, I, I always put an effort to approach things this way. But white belt mind, black belt execution. Yes, sir. All right. If I keep myself into that in that particular balance, I have the enthusiasm of a beginner, but the execution of a master or at least what I would perceive that to be in whatever it is that I'm doing. So... It's interesting how somebody of that caliber can still make those mistakes if they're not, you know, watching it, basically. Mm. Well, it's kind of, I mean, it's it's funny, too, because it's like, are they really mistakes? I mean, like that's part of the, I guess, of like part of the reframing of that is like you're, you know, everybody, I think the white belt mentality makes sense. It's like, look, every time I try out new jokes or new material, I'm a white belt again. Yes. yes. Like every time I get on stage, I just wrote a bit recently where I was talking about, um, I was talking about tall people <laughs> and I, uh, cause I worked in this office with two tall people and they just, it just feels like I'm, by the way, for everybody listening, I'm like five foot nine maybe. And like, I feel like if you're over six foot tall, your life is just better. Oh, like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> what any city would have been. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm holding on here. Listen, Brendan, you are of an appropriate height. Right? Because I'm 5'4". <laughs> so you're just fine, sir. Yeah. Well, you carry yourself like a six foot two dude. Yo, yo, no. That's the realest thing right here, yo, guys. This guy makes me feel small sometimes. I'm like, what? All right, bro. No, but, like, the idea basically is, like, I'm trying to write this bit about uh, how, you know, studies show, this is true, that the tall, if you're a man, the taller you are, the more money you make. End of story. That it's, like, it's a, the graph that shows height to the amount of money you make a year is just a line that goes up and to the right. Like, it's ridiculous. I like this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so true. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But, like, basically, so I was, like, the joke, I, you know, the bit I was writing was I was, like, if I had a friend who was graduating from college and they were, like, what's your career advice? I'd say, buy heels. <laughs> Uh, so, like, I write that bit, and I'm trying to do it on stage, and it's, like, not really – it's not really working that that well. 
and uh, I've only done this for like a few weeks recently, but I'm getting in front of audiences and doing it. Some of them are laughing, some of them aren't. And I finally go out to lunch with a friend of mine and she's like, that's ridiculous. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And she's like, no, it's ridiculous that like you even care about this. Like, do you understand that like there's so much more injustice in the world just because like you happen to not be tall? Like women still earn 77 cents for every dollar a man makes. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, but how tall a man? Like, so, <laughs> so the idea basically is like, I'm trying out this bit and as everybody, as all the listeners could hear and, uh, and not only did you not laugh listening to this, but the guys in this room haven't laughed that much. This bit I've only been working on for a few weeks. So it's mm. like, I just got to go. So it's like, did Dave Chappelle, was it a mistake that mm. he did that, that he didn't succeed that night? Was it, did he make a bunch of mistakes? I mean, maybe, but like, maybe not. Maybe he did everything right. I think so. Maybe he's just moving through. Maybe that's just that, that yeah. that's just his karma that night. Yeah. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. That's just the way that the grain of the wood cut that night. Yeah. And who knows why? They got it on camera. But like, he's a guy who almost every other time succeeds. Yes. Well, yo, I feel like. That's an interesting take on that. Yeah. And I also feel like that's what makes it fun. Because if you always already have this, um, mindset that you're the black belt and you're invincible and you're great and everything when you when you get those days or those nights when you're totally bombing it gives you a chance and opportunity to go back to the drawing board so yeah i agree with you i think it happens for a reason the way it should happen that night because i'm sure he looked at it and said what the have happened yeah you know no, I, mean? I couldn't agree with you more. It's like that's and honestly, man, that's part of the reason I love comedy. It's part of the reason I love fighting. Yes. It's because it's like you it's the ultimate reality is gonna meet you yes. one oh, way or the other. Absolutely. And you're gonna learn a lesson. Like that's gonna happen really quickly. You yeah. either succeeded or you didn't. hundred percent. And like you can't bullshit yourself when you're in front of three hundred people no. in Lacrosse, Wisconsin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> at Piggy's, uh, you know, whatever, a barbecue place, which is where I was at a few weeks ago. What? And I get up on stage and I try to tell this joke about tall people and half the audience is like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, you're right. It needs to get better. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But like that's that I think that, you know, stoicism has helped me because in those moments it's like, look, I just that's the feedback I got. It doesn't mm. mean anything about me. Like, Nico, what you were just saying yeah. was like. The, the story you're telling yourself about your ego. Yeah. Like, that's what... Make that's it pretty for thing. me, brother. I mean, that's... I, well, I think that's one of that's one of Epictetus's uh, tenets is right at the beginning of the Enchiridion is he's like, you're... It is not so much the things in your life that harm you. It is your in, in, impressions of those things. Right. Correct. And, well, and even coming from Epictetus, the interesting thing is, obviously, uh, maybe for some of the listeners who don't know this yet, but you and I... Uh, we all know this, that Epictetus was a slave. Yep. yep. And so that statement didn't just come from something that he conceptualized in his head and thought it sounded good. It came from a, a reality that is one of the most horrendous that you could possibly live, which is being a slave and having your rights taken away from you. And yet he still came to that conclusion yep. and created that as one of the, 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 the core principles right in the beginning. Well, it's not a, it's not a, you know, I was looking at some of the quotes that you have, I think to that you were looking through. It's not a mistake. I think that Victor, Victory Frankel is on that list, which mm. is like these are people who are in terrible situations and somehow yes. find a way to have have choice yeah. and have a perspective that allowed them to to carry on and thrive mm -hmm. in those Correct. positions. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, I I just I really think that specifically Epictetus I think has has given me a lot of um, a, 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 a lot of power I think in my life. I would encourage everybody listening to this like if, if go online at some point. 
look up open mics in your area <laughs> yeah, no. and go write 20 jokes, okay? I'll tell you right now, if this suddenly, if your blood suddenly ran cold listening to this, I tell you, don't let that happen, oh, okay? Cool. If you're afraid they won't be funny, don't worry, they won't be. <laughs> <laughs> and, and get on stage and do five minutes of stand-up comedy or four minutes of stand-up comedy. Just go up and do it. You will live through it. That's the thing that's yes. that's amazing to this. It's like, your, you know, Seneca says this. He says, um, reserve for yourself a time in your life where you eschew all material wealth that you have and put yourself in a situation for like a week of living in the worst condition you can think of. And then ask yourself at the end of this, is this that thing that I've been so afraid of all this time? Mm -hmm. You'll get rid of your fear because you, mm. you suddenly you're like, what, you know, if you're afraid of being homeless, go live like a homeless person for a week. Straight and then up. you'll get over that fear. Yeah. There's all these people who say, oh, that's why I said earlier, I'm like, people are like, oh, you got so much balls to do stand-up comedy. You're mm -hmm. like, look, man, I've lived through it. You know what I mean? Yes. I've gotten up and bombed. I'll bomb again. Yeah. Like, and I'm still here. Yes. And I'm still doing this shit. Yeah. I'm still going to take it down. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's in it. He's in it. <laughs> I, I thought we were going for the rap song. Come on, go. <laughs> yeah, no, but I agree with that 100% because even in a coaching session that I had with Vic, you know, he, uh, I was telling him, went to Canada, saw the CN Tower, and I was scared, bro, because it was so high. And he kind of drew a correlation to heights and fear of success. Ever since then, I've been doing that Seneca quote where I'm putting myself in those situations to go up high. Mm. And I'm finding now that it's not that bad, actually. Yes. I mean, you know, I don't really like it like it, but I don't <laughs> mind it now. Yeah. Before, I would be terrified. I wouldn't do it at all. Yeah. But yeah, mm. I agree. You have to get through it. That's 100%. a good one too. I mean, being a fear of heights is like a fear of success because you're afraid when you're. That, what is a fear of heights? That, that's a, fear a correlation. That yeah, yeah, I remember when I first started coaching professionally, I made that correlation once, and it was a guess. Honestly, like I don't, I, I have no factual information that says that there is a correlation there. <laughs> but I remember when Nico had brought it up and I, I mentioned that correlation, it started. It something clicked with him, right? Mm -hmm. And he started taking it in, and then as he started exploring that discomfort, those situations that put him at unease, he also started raising the level and the caliber of his business. Yeah. Real talk. Real talk. Shit, man, I need to go climb some high, <laughs> <laughs> high things. Yeah, now. Get, get a new perspective. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, but it just goes to validate your Seneca quote, you know? That yes. makes sense. You got to live through it, man. Got to live through it. I think, yeah, I, I get, I think Seneca, Epictetus, and then in terms of Zen, I think the one that really stood out to me has um, been uh, The Way of Zen by Alan Watts. Mm. It's been really helpful. Yes. I'm, I'm listening to that one now, actually. His talks are amazing. There's a Alan Watts podcast. I think it might just be called the Alan Watts podcast. Oh, oh really? It's, it's just, just like taken like from his lectures and Yeah, it's and literally just little bits of, um, and some, I mean, I think of especially difficult times in my life where I listen to that podcast and you know the like the concept of karma that i mentioned earlier mm -hmm. yes which is like the idea that it this is just what's happening to you right now right. Mm -hmm. and if you just get over that idea you're like listen like that's what i mean the airport is the best example where Whoa. like all these people are sitting around and they're like this plane is fucking delayed yes. and like <laughs> oh, what Oh, what? Like, I'm in first class. Like, you do this to me? Like, and you're like, dude, are you so... This obsession with self. No, but it's so true. <laughs> it absolutely like, this is. is. This is happening to me? It's just like, dude, calm down, okay? Yeah. Well, the self-importance is all all-time high there. at the airport. Yeah. It's so weird, right? And I'm just like, I just they shouldn't even have a first class straight up. They should just be like, look, we're all in this. We should all 
just be standing high fiving each other on the airplane all the time. That's what Southwest is all about, you know. Yeah. And it's the best, honestly. But like that's exactly airline. what I'm talking about. Is like, dude, it's not. It's just a story you're telling yourself about how you're important and you need to get there on time and like the shit you have to do is so important and like all this stuff, man. Everybody's gonna get there. We're all gonna be fine. I flew Spirit down here from Chicago. Yo, okay? how did you do it? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that was the only one I was hoping we never went, but. <laughs> Power to your brother. He, he was just practicing Seneca yeah. techniques and mentality. Yeah, I was just like, you know what? This is an exercise in patience. Yes, did, he's did like, my deepest the... fear is having to fly spirits. Yo, yeah. did they do the thing yet? Where it's just straps? <laughs> it's like the if anybody's listening has been on Ryanair in Europe. It's oh. like the Ryanair of America. Oh my god, it's so bad. Yes, like, but it's funny because like I should mention this also uh, just because I'm dropping these knowledge bombs on you guys left and right. But <laughs> my uh, my favorite. I mean, I said it's an exercise in patience. That's true. If you look at difficult situations as an opportunity to practice patience, yes, you it just suddenly becomes better. And my favorite definition of patience is uh, the ability to endure. Mm. So it's like you can just suddenly if I can stand there at Spirit Airlines with five babies crying around every position on the seat I'm sitting in mm-hmm. and a dude falling asleep next to me on top of me mm-hmm. and I can get here and be fine like right or left shoulder I mean every shoulder <laughs> all of them <laughs> all the shoulders <laughs> well played <laughs> Spirit Airlines center seat <laughs> That's a great experience. Although I've lived a bad life, although I lived a bad life, if I uh, if I'm crossing the road and I turn and see a bus about to hit me, and then suddenly I wake up in a Spirit <laughs> Airlines line. <laughs> <laughs> Up, oh, that's up. rough. Uh, but it, it's it's interesting that you that you brought that up last week. I, I was talking about uh, a concept. Last week I was talking about a concept of stoicism, amor fati, which is the love of your fate, right? Yeah. And and that's something that. Like you were saying, every difficult situation is an opportunity. If you're so upset about it because you feel this sense of self-importance, it's not necessarily going to change it. You need to learn to love the actual situation that you're in and bring the focus back to you and what you can do, asking yourself what's the opportunity here. Because at least the way that I've seen it, that the timeless art of turning difficulty and adversity into an opportunity actually stems from a mentality of gratitude, Mm -hmm. of focusing on what you do have. And gratitude is much more than just saying thank you and and being thankful for things. It's it's literally looking at everything as a gift. Everything is an opportunity because it is. I I think that is so powerful, man. Yo. Like, I think, and I have a story to speak to that for a second. Yes, please tell um, it. So I did a few years ago, I did the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. It's the biggest comedy festival in the world. It's enormous. The city of Edinburgh, Scotland turns into like this totally weird upside down <laughs> circus for like a month. It's wild. Um, and I've been told my entire life, uh, just I'll digress for a second. I've been told my entire life about this festival. My family's Scottish, mm. like from Scotland. I have a kilt, like everything. And I know. He's legit. <laughs> I know, man. Yes. So it's so, uh, it's ridiculous. But so I, uh, I've heard about this my whole life, and all my Scottish relatives are like, Brendan, mate, you've got to come out to Scotland. You've got to do the Fringe Festival, mate. Oh, it's going to be fucking amazing, Brendan, eh? <laughs> and so I finally do it, and I'm like, yeah, I'm coming out, guys. I'm going to come out. I'm going to do the show. Craig, you got to come out to my show. And they're all like, hey, Brendan, hey. You know, mate, I'm pretty busy that month, eh? <laughs> like, like, oh my god, you guys. So, uh, so anyway, the, the but the story is, I really wanted to do this festival. I was super about it, and so I, I had the opportunity. You have to apply to a venue, and some venues select you, and some don't. And so I applied to this place called Just the Tonic, which is awesome. That's a great place. 
And uh, I did, uh, I applied there and I really wanted to get that. Um, but then I heard back from a different venue and they said, we won't accept you, we're gonna put you on. And I was like, perfect. Dope. I threw money down on it. They sent me a contract. Yeah. I signed the contract. I was like, this is perfect. Then Just the Tonic got back to me. <laughs> and they were like, we love you. We want you on our show. And I was like, oh, great. And then I started thinking, well, I really want to do the Just the Tonic. It's a better brand. Right. It's like a better, um, I won't mention the other place because it's not quite as good of a brand. But I was like, this is a way better. This makes me look better. It's going to be a better crowd. It's going to be a better venue. Um, this is going to be amazing. But I was like, shoot, what do I do? Like, I can't. And here's the, I started thinking, well, maybe I can do two shows a day. I was thinking that. But here's the problem. Okay. They were at overlapping time slots. So I could not do Double both. book, bro. I know. 28 days of comedy I'm looking at. I'm looking at thousands of dollars. I've already thrown down a bunch of money to, to do this venue. I say, so I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I go, you know, F it. I'm going to go sign with. Just a tonic. I'll figure out what to do. Mm. So this caused me so much trouble. I was getting these phone calls because like I had to shoot over like a second payment on this this like first venue. Mm. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I gotta what kind of show I'm gonna have. I had like time was running out. And then finally I started thinking about it just like you said. I was like, how would I what would I do if I was grateful for this problem? Mm. What would I do if I woke up and somebody was like, you know what's amazing about your life today? You got two venues Crazy. at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Even though you can't do shows at both at the same time, what can you do? Yes. So I went, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to test the waters, and I'm going to see if other comedians in the city of Chicago would be interested in coming out to this venue and doing a show. So I made one post, just one, on Facebook in the Chicago comedy community website. I mean, they're like yeah, space they're on Facebook. Just one, just yeah. one post. I put together a little Google, you know, survey, and I was like, hey, if you're interested in doing the Fringe Festival this year, just fill this out. I got hundreds of responses. Awesome. Oh, I got wow. like so many responses from comedians in Chicago, people who aren't even from Chicago, whose friends had sent it to them, and they were like, you guys, you should do this maybe. So I just made this deal with everybody. I was like, look, I need to just cover the cost of the venue. At this point, for me, this is about, like, I'll just, uh, if I break even, I'm happy. 18 Chicago comedians paid to come out to that festival and cover Woo! that. So I produced not one but two shows in Edinburgh, my own show, and then the Chicago Comedy Showcase. Wow. That was an amazing moment, not just for me, because I got written about in the city of Chicago, got a lot of clout in the community, but for 18 other Chicago comedians to come to out get, and be able to do that's that. That's what I'm saying. Come, that's amazing. Yeah, come out to Europe, have that. That was a major opportunity that I could have run away from. I could have, I was thinking about eating that cost. I was like, I guess I just gotta, mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm gonna do. You're and then I finally- Bend the knee, bro, you're about to bend the knee. Yeah, <laughs> yes. when I became grateful for that problem, I suddenly had a lot more, options that opened up in front of me yes the the interesting thing i think about that as well is not only was it your gratitude but also your consideration of others and the opportunity that others could have and and a way of bringing value to them one thing that marcus aurelius always talks about is this idea of cooperation is our nature that human beings are made for each other and I find that when you're in a pinch, if you look at how you can serve not just yourself, you take the focus off of yourself essentially, mm -hmm. and you serve those around you, then new opportunities open up and you end up showing up at your best and growing from the experience rather than just bringing all the focus onto me, 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 and being in 
a, a tough situation like you were. The moment that you took that focus off, not only were you grateful, but you also focused on other people is, you know, you created this whole opportunity and a lot of good buzz for yourself. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, and that, you know, I was obviously grateful for the, the buzz that I got for myself. But like, I mean, I just think the mo I'm not going to, you know, it's been a couple of years since that experience. And the things that I remember now are not the article I had written about me in like yeah. the Chicago newspaper or whatever. The thing that I think about is how Switch. amazing it was to watch St. James Jackson, one of my best friends mm -hmm. in Chicago comedy, dude who grew up on the south side of Chicago, mm -hmm. raised in Georgia, moved to Chicago, Crazy. hardly ever been anywhere else in his entire life, come to my family's hometown in That's Edinburgh, dope. Scotland, and get to crush in front of these international audiences. And just the joy in his face and like the audience that had never known him and, had, and never would have ever met him got to go see that, that's the part that I'm going to carry with me for the rest of my life. That so, was exciting. Yes. That is what I call true wealth. Yes. That is true wealth, you know? It's not so much the materialistic things as we talked about in our prior podcast episode. It's how much lives you impact and touch. Because just like you're saying that right now, you didn't even worry about the money, the venue. You got the write-up. You got the um I, I like, what you call accolades. It? accolades. Thank you very much. You got accolades. I ride in a so, huge accolade. Oh, you right? <laughs> boom, boom. Dude, a Cadillac boom. accolade. <laughs> but you get that and everything, and that's not what's um, sticking with you right now. It's just the fact that, yo, this kid that had a dream, mm -hmm. yo, you, you help bring his dream to fruition. To me, that's the biggest thing, man. That's the reason why I do music. Yeah. You know? I would yes. love to get millions. Don't get me wrong. I want to have millions and invest in seed money and stuff. But when I saw um, somebody in Thailand use my song as their um, engagement announcement. What? Yo, that wow. song is Yo, like, you for real, Nico? No, that's amazing. Yeah. But, bro, that's the thing that really told me, like, yo, I need to keep doing this because this is going to be, this song is going to be with them for the rest of their life. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful, man. That's powerful, bro. And I never understood the power of it until I saw it. That's exactly so. Here's the reason I actually wish, and I think most comedians actually wish we could be rock stars. I think that's <laughs> what we actually wish because I think, like, that yeah. that story is so great. No one, it doesn't matter how funny of a joke I write, no one is ever going to play it at their engagement, bro. Like, no one's going to play my stand up comedy album at their wedding. I'll play it. I'll play it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And for their first dance, they're not actually going to dance. We're just going to listen to Brendan Lemon's stand up comedy yeah, for, the, <laughs> for the daddy daughter dance. I'll be like, man, the thing about airports is. <laughs> I love it. So one, one thing I think is really interesting, uh, especially from us talking about Alan Watts before. So Alan Watts teaches a lot about Zen, and he relates Zen and the idea of Satori, sudden enlightenment, to laughter and humor. That Zen is almost told, like the way that it's told is almost like the same format as a joke. And I think it's such an amazing opportunity that we have a stand-up comic here <laughs> that real I, talk, I so talk, want to yeah. ask you awesome about guys. your thoughts on that. It'd be awesome yes. if you guys had a funny one, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but if you can speak to that a little bit uh, and how the the whole idea of Satori or sudden enlightenment is a lot like laughter and, and how those two things are similar. Yeah, I, well, I think that they say that, they say that uh, a, a really well-delivered like joke, like the punchline of the joke is supposed to reconcile two paradoxes or mm -hmm. like a paradox, which is something that can't, you it's a sudden realization of something that you didn't think was true or couldn't be. Mm. Um, how, this is, how, is this, is this have an adult rating this podcast or no? 
It doesn't. It probably should because <laughs> we should. use okay, some yeah. expletives oh, yeah, <laughs> quite often. I have a couple of different jokes that I. Well, run it, run it, run it. Yeah, yeah. there's like a couple, well, but there's a, this idea in the philosophy of humor. Um, uh, there's a really awesome um, uh, philosopher. His name's John Marmish. Um, he's a friend of mine, and this guy is making the first philosophical journal of of uh, comedy. Mm. And one of the things that he talks a lot about is that comedy is kind of a reconciliation of a truth that two things that, that are both true, like a paradox that are both true, but can't possibly be both true. It's mm. like my, maybe one way to look at it. Obviously when you cut up comedy to this level, it becomes not funny. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's very serious. Yeah. But like, how can it be the, you know, I think, uh, I'm trying to think of like a bunch of good jokes that I have uh, that, that are also age appropriate, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, you know, I think one of them is, uh, okay, so here's one. So I have a joke about getting older, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, uh, I got a letter that I wrote to myself 15 years ago. And I got it in the mail and because I had a class and they made us write a letter to ourselves in the future, right? Mm -hmm. And I got it. And I was so excited because I was like, oh, my God, Brendan in 2004, like, what were his thoughts and dreams? Like, what were his hopes? Like, what was I? I didn't remember the letter. It was I was super excited. So I opened it and it was a, immediately I was just immediately depressed as soon as I started reading it <laughs> because it goes like th it, this went like this. It started out, dear Brendan, in the year 2019. First of all, I bet you a thousand bucks you're reading this on your private jet. Oh. And I was like, Brendan of 2004, I'm reading this on the number 77 bus in Chicago, <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> like, yeah, I've got a homeless person falling asleep on top of me. Like, this is, I'm flying spirit. Like, oh, my God. So, like, and then I go on, and I'm like, you know, hey, man, I'm, I'm sure you've done dozens of Letterman sets by now. And I'm like, yeah, uh, newsflash, Brendan of 04. I haven't done any Letterman sets. Yeah. Also, Letterman's not on TV anymore. <laughs> so thanks for reminding me my dreams are no longer possible, Brendan of 04. And then I'm like, man, either way, I'm sure you're rocking out to the greatest musical yeah, artist yeah, of yeah, 04. yeah, yeah. Ja Rule. Oh. <laughs> and then Fire Fist happened, right? I know, right? And so, like, uh, that hits. It hits every time I'm on stage. But the, you can see, like, the the Satori moment of this is, like, this reconciliation of, like, here I am in 04, 18 yeah. years old, and being, like, your future is going to be awesome, Super dude. Super optimistic. Let me just, like, write down all these egotistical things about yeah. how <laughs> wonderful your life is going to be. You're going to have, like... You know, uh, you can have like I don't know who it would have been in 04. Fergie is gonna be your girlfriend, <laughs> like, that's what's up. That's what's or like up. whatever. And then now, in the lens of time, you look back and you're like, oh, not only did none of that stuff happen, but like some of it can't happen. Yeah. And some of that stuff that you thought was cool is no longer cool. No, like nobody cares about Ja Rule anymore. No, <laughs> like, no, no, no. Well, yeah, I feel you. Yeah. I, I would still, I would still date Ashanti though. I don't know what's going on with 100. her. Hundred. and fifty percent. Without but like, hesitation. But that's that moment. What's up, though. Ashanti? <laughs> it's just, I'd like to dedicate this. Yeah. I'd like to dedicate this podcast to Ashanti. <laughs> so like, but the you know, but the idea, that idea where you're you're suddenly seeing, you're reconciling things that were were paradox. How yes. could it be both that I had this great ambition and that I didn't achieve it? Mm. Where you're like, but the humor in that, and I think the thing that Watts talks about, that moment is like, there's only two ways to look at that. Mm. One way is total despair yeah mm -hmm. and the other way is just is humor is that you're like whatever man this, this didn't matter yeah. i'm getting space from it and yes. that's the space that you that i think that space is i think what you know stoicism and, and zen buddhism help deliver yes absolutely so <clears throat> before we wrap up i did have one last question for you uh from either philosophy or both 
What is the one biggest takeaway from either Zen or Stoicism that you feel has been most useful for you in life? The one that I find myself returning to, um, I'm going to give you two. Yes, um, you can do one, one, one of each if you want. Yeah, or, or well, if you have... I'm going to two, but they're both stoic. Okay, that's cool. Um, <laughs> we accept. <laughs> we accept your offering. <laughs> the um, the first is the first tenet of Epictetus. I find myself returning to a lot, which yes. is there are two orders of things. Of the first order, there are things that you can control directly in your control, and over those things, you should exercise the greatest care and wisdom. Um, then there is a second order of things that you have no control over, and just forget them. Yep. Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your thoughts or feelings are on them. It's not going to help. You know, um, there's this great, in the movie Bridge of Spies, uh, which is Steven Spielberg, and there's a scene where they're exchanging these two spies, on this, uh, and one of guys, one of the Americans have a Russian spy. They're trading for an American pilot who went down. This really happened in real life, by the way. And on the bridge, uh, Tom Hanks' character turns to the Russian spy, and he goes, what's going to happen? And the guy goes, well... They're either going to shoot me because uh, they think I told you guys secrets or they're not going to shoot me. And Tom Hanks goes, are you worried? <laughs> and he goes, would it help? <laughs> like, mm, it doesn't sure. matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So uh, I really, that one I find myself returning to a lot. Um, I think the second one is, uh, is Seneca and that quote about the things in your life that you know, take some time to get into those situations and ask yourself, is this that thing that I've been avoiding for all these years? Like, there are every single, I guarantee you, everybody listening to this right now has things in their life that they want to do. And at the core of them not doing it is a fear of what's going to happen. And that's Straight why I said up. you should go do stand-up comedy. The number of people who I meet who are like, are you, you're a stand-up comic? And if they're, if there are girls in their 20s at a bar, their immediate first thing is like, tell me a joke. <laughs> they're like, what? If I was a doctor, if I was like, I'm a doctor, would you have been like, diagnose something? <laughs> like, it doesn't make, doesn't make any sense. Uh, but anyway, but the number of people I meet, if that's not their first question, they'll say something like, uh, I could never do that. Mm. I could never do it. And I'm like, yeah, you could, man. You could do it. If you want to do it, you should do it. If you don't want to do it, did, yeah. then don't do it. No gun to the head. But if you're like, oh, that might be kind of fun, I guarantee mm. you you'll learn something about yourself and don't let that fear control your life. That's a decision you have to make. True. But just go do that. I find myself returning to that one a lot. Yes, which I think is a really important one. For So for those of you who are listening and you take on this challenge from Brendan and go do an open mic, definitely send us a message and let us know how it went. Because that For would be sure. one of the coolest things that you you take a, that that call to action from this specific episode and apply it in your life and and let us know what you learn because that would be an amazing thing to hear about. Um, so last thing, Brendan, where can they find you for those who are listening? Yeah, I have two. I want to send you to two places. The first is my podcast, my personal comedy podcast. It's called The Madness Continues, mm. and you can find that on iTunes uh, or on SoundCloud. I, I, uh, it's, it's Apple Podcast now because remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pardon me. Apple Podcast. Yeah. yeah iTunes is gone. gone. It's defunct. <laughs> right. <laughs> iTunes. More that, like was, no that was 04, Brendan. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a callback. That's what, yeah. we call, that's what we call a callback in the biz. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, on Apple Podcasts, you can get uh, The Madness Continues, where uh, basically the tagline is, I interview everyone from philosophers to porn stars. Okay. So, who are kind of philosophers in their own right. Interesting. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, in I interviewed Sh uh, Chanel Preston, uh, who some of your audience will know by name. And, <laughs> and uh, 
She uh, she's actually very insightful, super interesting, like really interesting. We talked about the whole Me Too movement. She's really it's a fascinating podcast. But anyway, um, then the second one is uh, I try to I take lessons from comedy and try to apply them to sales specifically. Um, and I call that the sales comedian. And I've got a bunch of videos on YouTube that you can, guys can go check out where I try to apply things for lessons from there. Um, that's how I, I actually, not to drop this right at the end, but I actually used to be homeless, uh, no like a long, yeah, years ago. And I earned my way out of that by through doing sales. And I literally just applied lessons that I, no I knew way, wow, bro. from the world of comedy and they super work in the world of sales because people hate talking to salespeople. So yeah. <laughs> if you're the least bit entertaining, they're like, yeah, I'll take a phone call from you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, cool. Well, thank you for having me on. Yo, pleasure, thank you yo. so much, Brennan. Pleasure. This was awesome having yep. you. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode, definitely leave us a line, drop a comment, rate the podcast, and we're looking forward to seeing you on the next episode.